Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're going to talk about how your emotions could possibly affect your finances. Joining me today is Justin Janowski. He is a coach, but also the founder of Faith to Influence. So welcome to the show, Justin. Thank you so much for having me, Heather. I'm happy to be here. Okay. You have stated that people can sometimes sabotage themselves financially because of bad money stories they say to themselves. So first of all, what do you mean by that? And what are these stories that we're telling ourselves? Yeah, that's such a great question. I call it the art of influence when I think about like uh, all the things that affect how influential we are on ourselves and with others. And, you know, part of it's about who we believe ourselves to be. Some of us get stuck in an identity, Heather, where we believe ourselves to be somebody who is a low income earner and other people believe themselves to be a high income earner. And like what we believe about ourselves in so many different ways, but including around money greatly affects our capacity to grow our income and to grow ourselves financially. But then the other piece of it is a lot of us have stories around money specifically that become blocks to earning, to saving, to growing wealth. Many of us have stories that money is evil or bad, or that people who have a lot of money are evil or greedy or bad. And if we've got a story about that, that's even based in some evidence or truth on like people we've experienced in our lives or stories our parents have told us or movies we've watched, shows we've seen on TV. If we've got this story that's running around our head like a soundtrack, that says that money's evil or money is bad or people earn money are greedy, then we're going to find ourselves naturally, subconsciously sabotaging ourselves. We're going to do everything we can to not be the greedy, evil, bad person or to achieve the greedy, evil, bad thing, which is income or money or savings or investments. And so what we have to do is gain awareness of the stories. And then we need to rewrite the old story into a new and more empowering pattern. For me, if we take myself as an example, I have caviar dreams. So I believe that I should be making a lot of money so I can afford the things that I really am attracted to. Mm. However, mm-hmm. my entire life, I have had jobs where I was making minimum wage. And then after 10 years, I finally made it to $11 an hour. And woohoo, mm. you know, I was rich and not really, but. <laughs> How do I overcome being in the jobs that aren't paying me as much as I want to satisfy the things that I think I need? Yeah, well, gosh, there's there's two pieces to this. I mean, one is the story, right, that we have. And so then the, the second piece is action that we take. And so if if we have this old story that I talked about before, like let's say we thought that money was evil, we might want to rewrite that story or like maybe I'm not worthy of money is somebody's story. They might want to write that down, draw a line through it, maybe write next to it in big capital letters, not true, and then write the empowering story underneath, which is something different. For me, my story around money is the more I earn, the more I can give. And so I have no resistance to earning because I know that when I earn, it's good for my community. It's good for my family. It's good for my team. It's good for my church and all the things that I contribute to. And it sounds like you don't have that problem. I think that's the problem that most people have as a block. But if we've removed that, we don't have any resistance mentally to earning more, then there is the action. You know, I I think that some people will tell you that positive thinking, like the power of positive thinking that we can just think positive things and then they're going to happen for us. That, of course, isn't true. We have to take action also. But thinking the positive things does produce oftentimes the right action. 
it's not necessarily going to be easy for every single person to dramatically change their income opportunity overnight. But if we believe that we are worthy of more income, if we believe that earning more is good, if we believe that we'll do good with the resources, well, then with those beliefs, with those soundtracks playing in our minds, hopefully that calls us into the marketplace to take more positive action. Maybe it means that we ask for a raise more more quickly than we would have if we had junk in our head about money and about our own worth. Maybe it means that we ask for a promotion or we work harder to pursue a promotion because we're so hungry and we believe that we're worthy of it and that we can attain that. Or maybe it means that we start a business and we become entrepreneurs and, and we, we have an idea that we allow to dream and we allow to live and grow. And you know, there's, a, there's so many different things that go into it, but I know that people who believe that they're worthy of more income and expect to earn more and desire to earn more and remove mental resistance to earning more will oftentimes be the people who are more assertive in interviews, more likely to negotiate for more income, more likely to ask for a raise or a promotion, or just simply behave and show up in their job, creating more value, being worth more in the way they show up in their job, providing more value to the company or to the clients or customers or whoever it might be. And that's going to get recognized. And over a long period of time, that should produce more income. And usually it does. I love that. And where I work, they have something similar. It's called Connect for Success, where yeah. every year we have to write down exactly what we think we have contributed to the mm -hmm. company. And they help you like reframe it so that when your supervisor passes it on to the HR department, a lot of our potential pay raises based on how we perceive ourselves and also it does that align with the company values but yeah it kind of yeah. goes along with what you were saying is if you show up and you follow good values to contribute to your whether it's your work community or your home community i can see that as a value yes totally we're going to take one break when we come back let's talk about what if I'm trying to earn money and I am just making every mistake under the sun? How do we pot potentially fix that? So we'll be right back with Justin Janowski. He is the founder of Faith to Influence. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show. If it affects your life in any way, money-wise, we're talking about it. And today we're talking about how your belief in yourself, or maybe it's the lack of belief in yourself, affects your finances. Joining me today is Justin Janowski. He is a coach, but you're also the founder of Faith to Influence, which I think is what you use to help coach people in all areas. So, Justin... I'm thinking of an example of I want to make money flipping houses, but the problem is I've bought a couple of houses in the last year, year and a half, and I bought when the prices were at their peak and it was really high interest rates and I did all the remodeling and it was really fast and now I'm trying to sell it, but the market has tapered off a little bit and now I'm going to lose money on the deal. So, I mean, come on, I was going to make a fast buck here and that's not happening. So what would you do to coach me? Yeah, man, that's such a, an interesting thing to share. Thank you for bringing that example, Heather. I know that there are a lot of different ways to make money. And in almost any market and economy, there are ways to successfully invest and grow our income. And I know people who are house flipping right now and making good money doing that. But what I believe is really important, whether we want to invest in 
real estate or we want to invest in the stock market or we want to invest in cryptocurrency or whatever new idea is out there that sounds exciting to us, I want people to consider a couple of things. Most important is to have a mentor. Like I believe if you want to flip houses and get involved in real estate, find somebody who's doing that successfully in today's market and ask them questions and ask if they would take you under their wing and have them mentor you and coach you and provide uh, guidance to help you make good sound decisions. Oftentimes taking on these kinds of projects on our own without a whole lot of knowledge or background in it could be a little bit less safe um, and it has greater potential for us to make a big mistake. And so I always believe in having strong mentorship in the things that we're going to invest in and do. But the other thing is to consider like a long-term focus as often as possible. And so I know people do want to make a quick buck. People want to find a way to invest in something today that's going to be worth a lot tomorrow. The problem with the quick buck is oftentimes the more you can earn in a short period of time, the greater level of risk is associated with the opportunity. So there's like a volatility to that. If there's a tremendous, tremendous upside, there's usually a tremendous, tremendous downside. And so when we're investing and trying to grow our, our, our wealth, it's important to think about having a long-term focus and making sure that a certain percentage of what we're investing, probably a significant percentage, is invested in things that, with a long-term focus of how is this going to equal significant growth for my wealth over the next 10, 20, 30 years is usually a lot safer and a lot smarter than moving into something that we are expecting to create tremendous wealth change in the next one year or two years or even three years because we can't account for what the market's going to do over the next one, two, or three. We can confidently suggest over the next 30 years what's going to happen uh, to investments that we make. And it's just a much safer, much more likely timeline for people to get a great result. How do you coach people who are not forward thinkers. Like for me, I do think five to 10 years ahead just in my everyday life and my investing, like you said, I'm th I'm 30 years out. My mother is the complete opposite. If it doesn't happen to her in the next two hours, she just doesn't even, it does, it's not even on her radar. Mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> if, if she was looking to make money possibly in the long run, I mean, how do you coach somebody who basically has ADHD as far as their finances mm -hmm. are concerned? Well, I, I honestly think that a lot of people face that challenge. And I, I think that it's probably appropriate for that person to just know themselves well enough to give somebody else control, you know, like have a financial advisor who can ask the questions of like, what are your long-term goals and how much income do you want to have? And what age do you want to retire at? And what kind of lifestyle do you want to live? If you've got an expert, like a, a financial advisor in your town who's a fiduciary, they've got a responsibility to make good decisions and they've got the knowledge and background to help you make good decisions, they could then make the, some of those decisions for you. Like if you know that you're trigger happy and you're going to be fast, and you're like, oh, this, this um, mutual fund I'm investing my money in didn't get a great return in the last month. I want to make a change and jump into this single stock that people are saying could grow fast. Like if you've got a financial advisor who's instead managing your money, they're probably going to make sounder long-term decisions that are a lot safer and protect not only the upside that you want, but the downside, the potential downside of any investment and who can think in terms of you know longer-term decisions. And so I highly recommend just getting an expert involved, getting a mentor, getting somebody who can help you with that. And Heather, there's one other thing I just want to share in general, like regardless of where we're at financially right now, 
I, I want to invite people to reconsider what they think about the stories they tell themselves about where they're at financially right now, the emotion they have about their money right now. The truth is so many of us feel like we don't have anything and we've got more than we realize. Something like 50% of the world lives on $2 or less a day. Uh, this was a statistic from a handful of years ago. So maybe it's a little bit more than that, but even if it was $3 a day, like if, if you have a cell phone, if you have the internet, if you're listening to this podcast episode, you are in the top 50% of income earners in the world. And you probably have more than you realize. And there are all kinds of stories of people being very thoughtful about the money that they have and how they spend and how they save and the decisions that they make. And that making all of the difference. I heard a story uh, at my church actually last week about a gentleman who was living in Connecticut or Virginia, and he was living in a small town and he lived outside of town in a trailer park. He didn't have a TV. He didn't have the internet even actually. And he lived a very simple life. He drove his his um his riding lawnmower around town he never left town like he just lived in this tiny little town in virginia or connecticut and he would ride his lawn lawnmower around town so everybody knew him because of that and they all assumed he was very poor and when he passed away he donated his money to the town for programs and growth and all of that and he had over three million dollars he donated to the town oh my god because gosh. he was thoughtful about how he spent the money he did have so i just want to sit make that point too i know i talked about income before and we're talking about investments right now and some people are probably like i don't have a dollar to invest or i i don't know how to raise my income right now there are ways for us to be more thoughtful about how we live inside of the income that we already have and if we can start to invest a little bit save a little bit if we can give or tithe a little bit that can make such a big difference in the long run. And it just adds up. And so I just want to invite people not only to think about how can they earn more, which I do recommend, or have me maybe a side hustle for entrepreneurship, or how can I invest more? But how can I invest something? How can I save something? How can I spend a little bit less so I can have a little bit more later? Right. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, I do actually want to go in just a little bit more into people figuring out how to save money. Maybe you have some tips on how we do that so that that saving is investing in our future. So we'll be right back with Justin Janowski. He is the founder of Faith to Influence. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we're talking about how you feel about your money. Joining me is Justin Janowski. He is the founder of Faith to Influence. Justin, when we wrapped up that last segment, you had just talked about how do people change their mindset, essentially, to start saving that money. And and saving can be investing in your future. But I, I know a lot of people who, to them, investments is, oh, the hottest stock, oh, this and that. And they're almost, they're not quite day traders, because that's pretty specific, but they're almost in that type of a mindset where it's almost, they want almost this immediacy effect. So how do we change that mindset a bit so that at least you're actually conscious about saving money, as you said? Yeah, I think, I think the important thing is recognizing that we do have enough. And now I'm, I want to be conscious and thoughtful about the reality that there are people at all kinds of income levels probably listening to this podcast right now. 
But again, if we've got a phone or the internet, or we have a capacity to listen to a podcast. If we're here right now, we've probably always had enough. Many of us probably felt like we had just enough, barely at all times. And others probably recognize the abundance of what they've had. But if we can have more of an abundance mindset shift and say like, I, I've always kind of had enough. I've always been able to make it. I've always been able to pay the bills and and stay here and like have the opportunity to listen to podcasts and imagine even having more. I think if we can begin to believe that we have enough and a little bit more than enough even, regardless of whether or not our income or circumstance has changed, the belief that we have enough can change our behavior. And if we believe that we've got enough, then we can start to save a little bit. We can start to invest a little bit. And even if it's just a small, small amount, if repeated again and again and again, it can make a big difference. Now, one of the most important strategies accomplishing that goal of saving or investing a little bit again and again, or even giving a little bit again and again, is to have like a second account from our primary like checking account that we can put money into to save it. I use Ally Bank. Uh, it's an online savings account. You can use any different bank, but it happened to have a good interest rate when I was studying mine up. I can have multiple savings accounts and I can name them all something different. Yeah. And so I've got a giving savings account in there. And we have a certain amount of money, a certain percentage of our income that automatically goes from my checking account into that giving savings account every single month. And we have for seven years. And because of that, that money is set aside. It's growing a little bit of interest. And then whenever we want to give to a person, a charity, a church, something that is in need in our community, we can pull from that account. It's not ours anymore. I never think of it as our money because it's not in the checking account where I look at our balance, where we pay our bills from, et cetera. The same thing's true if you want to save for a house or a car or your retirement. You can have a mutual fund that's set up. It's like an index fund like that follows the S&P 500, pretty safe pretty consistent. And you could have a certain amount of money automatically get pulled from your checking account and go into that account every single month or every single week. It doesn't matter if it's $5, $10, $100, $1,000 or $10,000, depending on the income range you're in. If we simply have structures in place to automatically save or invest the money, and we think about what we can do, and then once it's out of our account, it's out of sight, out of mind, then we're just going to continue the pattern of it. And we'll focus on the money that we have in our account as our expendable income. And for most people, that's the biggest key. If you try to save, but keep it all in one account, you'll end up finding that you spent it. And you'll be like, oh, where'd that money go? Yeah. So it has to automatically go to another account where the saving or the investing is going to happen. Yes, I've done that too. I did this about 12 years ago. I started a separate savings account and more than one, like you said. I don't know if Allied, what you use, does the same as mine, which is Synchrony. But if I want to draw money from that savings account, it takes at least five days for it to move over. So this isn't an immediate, ooh, look at this shiny thing I just saw in the window. I'll just move this money over and I can buy it right now. No, you can't do that. <laughs> but I set mine up as my six month emergency. I don't like to call that one the emergency fund, but if I were to lose my job today, I currently have enough funds in there for six months if it takes me that long to find a new job. But I didn't get the six months in there immediately. It took me six years. I've only had that six months worth of funds in there for the last four years or five years because it, you know, I started this almost 12 years ago. So it took time. I did the every month, $10. And, and then when I got more money, then it was $20. And then, you know, I slowly grew that over time. 
And then I have a separate account, which I do call my emergency fund, the one where my tire is blown. I have to buy a new tire right now. And that doesn't take five days to move over. But it's also separate from my checking. So it's kind of just over in a separate place. So I don't think about it that much. I don't see that balance every day. Really smart. I love that. So you as a coach, I've, I've mentioned you are a coach. What exactly do you coach people to do? Well, I actually help other coaches grow their businesses. And so if you haven't heard of coaching outside of sports, coaching is something that people do online to support people in a number of different ways. There are, there are marriage coaches, there are health and fitness coaches, there are online business coaches, mindset coaches, marketing coaches. And so what I do is I work with other coaches and I help them sell more. Uh, my business took off in my first year as a coach. I did over $250,000 in business my first year, far beyond what I could have imagined was possible. But what I recognized was my 16 years in sales prepared me to be a coach and to grow a business and that most coaches really struggled with the sales piece. And so I help people design and price their business models and sell more. My audience is typically Christian coaches and Christian entrepreneurs who want to start a business, but I help people outside of that market as well. And ultimately it comes down to helping people with sales mastery. And so if somebody's listening and they want to have a side hustle, they want to start a coaching business. I've got a podcast that they can listen to. It's called the sales strategies for Christian coaches podcast. And that would be a place where they could get a lot of tips on how to grow a coaching business, how to sell with high integrity, but in a way that converts at a high level and creates more income. That's the sales strategies for Christian coaches podcast. Where else can people find you if they don't necessarily want to listen to the podcast? Yeah, if you just want to connect, find me on Facebook. You can look at, for me at Justin Janowski. You can follow me on Facebook. I'd love to be friends. You can send me a message there and I'd be happy to connect with you. Thank you so much, Justin. I, you've really helped. I think it's important to, for people to understand that how you think about money, as we mentioned in the first segment, is if you're creating these bad stories about money or people who have it that can affect the way money is drawn to yourself, how you decide what jobs to follow or how you're spending your money or not saving it. So I think that is really important, but I love that you are a coach and that people could get help from you if they need to. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me on, Heather. This was fun. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media. Money Making Sense on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.